2: There's no place to escape to This is the last Hot On the left
3: <laughs> That's when the cannibalism started What was that? Oh, <laughs> um, what I did like is I saw that picture of Beyonce Now that she's pregnant
2: oh. with twins Oh my goodness um,
3: I have the same body as her.
2: (laughs) Yeah, she does look a little Polish right now. Um, All right, are we good to go, Marcus? We're good to go. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. I am Ben Kissel, staring at Marcus Parks. Uh, The other one, he's over in Los Angeles.
3: Let me out! (laughs) Let
0: me out!
3: Are they holding you captive over there? No, 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 man. They're trapped in here with me. My neighbor, I think, has been having some sort of like war against me because of the way I record this podcast mm. inside of the second bedroom in our apartment. And it does sound like what Natalie's described is that it's a monster screaming at himself. <laughs> right. Inside of a small, tiny room that I imagine he hears every word of.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. Very thin walls in those apartments.
3: So in his sort of weak L.A. fight against me, I hear him turn up his television, oh. like at night, and I was like, oh, you can't beat me that fucking easy. No way. Because I'm literally fueled by the power of Satan himself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and what? I'll gas the whole family. I'll go pull a line, <laughs> you, and then they'll have to go run screaming out of there.
2: Absolutely, and you know, it's really escalating if they start putting hummus on your doorknob. <laughs> That's a typical Los Angeles revenge. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, speaking of, uh, I guess revenge to some degree. Let's go on to Jack the Ripper, part four: the suspects. Uh, my goodness, there's a lot of people who could have done it. Oh, quite could
3: have been anyone.
2: <laughs> it, but uh, apparently, it was not the fat guy from Nuns on a guy. No, that's ridiculous.
1: <laughs> you, did you know he's Hagrid from Harry Potter?
2: Yes, and apparently he was also in From Hell, so it all kind of <laughs> works out. Um, there
3: uh, are countless possibilities as to who the real identity of Jack the Ripper is. Uh, or it could be a lady, Jill the Ripper. Oh. We haven't even talk about that today that's because that's a whole other book. That's a whole other <laughs> entire book.
2: Intersectional, about. intersectional. That's good. That's <laughs> good. I'm glad we're open. We're inclusive
3: here. I do, though, uh, I am so happy to... To upload this information mm-hmm. out of my head, oh god, and into the show. I am so pleased
1: that we are at part four of Jack the Ripper. Yes. The
2: suspects.
1: Let's start let's with. Get
2: him. Let's get let's
3: him. Pin this fucker to the wall. Well,
2: well this is how they got the Central Park Five arrested. Okay, let's <laughs> let's take it easy a little bit. Let's look at some evidence.
3: I want my victim. Well,
1: <laughs> we're gonna start with uh, one of the more far out theories.
3: We're gonna start with the royal conspiracy Mm. now there's been many royal conspiracies and the fact that most of the various sires of the royal family in the uk are visibly mentally handicapped absolutely (laughs) there's obviously been several conspiracies just to begin with just to keep the 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 basic secret that fucking prince abby can't tie his own shoes but he'll (laughs) certainly suck his own dick
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that was the whole thing with Prince William and Prince Harry. Everyone loved them so much because they were the first royals born with their feet going the right direction.
3: (laughs) And the new one, what's his name? Not Prince Harry. Who's the guy that's going to be king? I don't know. We don't know. We don't know the royals. Good Lord. I don't know. That's for our British listeners to to tell us. The one that's married to the fucking version of Katie Holmes. That's William. That's William. That's William. Okay. Okay. He's getting ugly. Yes, he he's is. He's starting to look like his fucking father because he's getting the, the his head is spreading. He's getting the buck teeth. His teeth are colliding and mm-hmm. of-
2: absolutely. So keep in mind what the royal family looks like right now and imagine them ten times uglier. Mm. Because Prince Charles was probably fairly attractive back in the day, but they the Jack the Ripper might have very well looked like him now. He might have. So Joseph Sickert, son
1: of the famous painter Walter Sickert, who was also a suspect, claimed in the early 70s that the entire Jack the Ripper affair was a conspiracy perpetrated by the English royalty to cover up the birth of an illegitimate child fathered by Prince Albert Victor Christian Edward, known to his friends as Eddie.
3: You know or Ebby. I've also heard Ebby, which is good. You're going to see because Ebby or Eddie was known as the slow child in the royal family.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And the, when, when Eddie was born, the doctor just said, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it seems as if we'll have to create a, a serial killer to get the attention of our deformed son.
1: <laughs> yeah. Eddie was rumored to be at the very least. Mildly mentally challenged. He had an unusually long and thin neck, and he hid that by wearing long, starched collars, which
3: earned him the nickname Collars and Cuffs. I—I'll tell you one thing, Mother. I don't mind them calling me collars and cuffs because it's certainly better than spaghetti neck.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, can you pick your pick your head up, son? Uh, oh, you, you... I
3: wish I could, but it seemed to be my spine is as weak as my neck. There's <laughs> Flairs bring me some sort of stick that we can tap to the back of me the... because I am simply soup with shoes on.
2: The non-stop British royal family inbreeding—they deserve every <laughs> deformed child they get.
3: It looks like the tech is done. I've accidentally rubbed my own forehead against my penis. I must be completely (laughs) erect.
2: You are indeed erect and you're not wearing any pants. Could you go upstairs? You're embarrassing the royal family.
3: Okay, could you please just stop me at the top and push me down like a slinky? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and that's where the slinky was formed and created.
1: <laughs> so the story goes that Eddie was sent to the painter Walter Sickert, who was a close friend of the royal family, so Sickert could take him under his wing and keep an eye on the boy. Presumably, keeping an eye on him had to do with the fact that Eddie was a notorious bisexual.
2: Can you imagine being sexually accosted by this dude? <laughs> You can't say no to the royal family, so if you're a guy...
3: Give it up, give it up, show your baskets, show your baskets and snakes, I'm ready for the bit of a licking, because I'm the prince and I'll get what it wants.
2: You're gonna kill me, yeah. So Sickert
1: lived in the East End, and Eddie, while on one of his jaunts, met and fell in love with a Catholic shop girl named Annie Crook. She was soon pregnant, as Eddie probably didn't think to pull out, the two were secretly married and moved in together. Eddie, being a little slow, for some reason didn't think that his mother, Queen Victoria, would notice that her son was now living with a Catholic wife and child in the East End, and as the royalty was none too popular at the time, a scandal of this magnitude might have brought on revolution.
3: Mother, see, mother, I couldn't possibly be a homosexual <laughs> because I'm making love to this prostitute. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? I'm a daddy. I'm a daddy like daddy was.
2: <laughs> yes, you
1: are. Annie Crook, to be fair, was not a prostitute. She was just a shop girl who worked on a t- at a
2: tobacco shop. But now this oh. is...
3: She's not a prostitute. There goes my lance right away. Turning from a lance to a rope, it does.
2: <laughs> oh, that's unfortunate. So
1: the Queen asked her Prime Minister, the Marquis of Salisbury, to take care of the problem.
2: <laughs> the Marquis of Salisbury. I just picture her covered in brown gravy that we don't quite know what it what it uh what it what the hell is inside of it, what makes it disgusting. So Salisbury
1: organized a raid on Prince Eddie's love nest on Cleveland Street and captured Annie Crook. They then enlisted the help of the Queen's physician, Sir William Go, who attempted to erase the poor girl's memory, a process which allegedly drove her insane.
2: And this is where it would have been really helpful to have the men in black, Will Smith <laughs> and the white guy, yes. show up with one yes. of their magic pens. But also,
3: we have a little bit of uh, there is historical context, uh, context in in US history, if you look at the MK Ultra programs, is that they did do attempts to erase people's memories and they destroyed their brains using, you know, the psychological, you know, basically filling them up with uppers and then bringing them down and then keeping them up all night. You can fracture a person's memory really well. But this is also, this is where we're starting to get into weird territory about the Masons and who Dr. Gull really was. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Dr. Gull, the uh, lobotomy was first
1: starting to be uh, played around with over in Sweden in 1888. So it's well, possible that Gull may have taken a page from their book and done a little bit of a knock-knock on her frontal cortex.
2: Well, absolutely. The old carpenter's trick. Um, <laughs> I don't think that the people who got lobotomies would consider it playing around. You know, something about it just when you're jamming a nail up someone's skull like they're Jesus's palm on a cross. So this and- is supposed to be a game? Game. This is fun. This is
3: like a funny game. This is
2: fun. <laughs> Weird. I
3: don't really consider the back of my head a fucking net.
2: No. Guys. Strangely um, enough, I- you just built a new memory of horror, actually. <laughs> I can remember more things now than ever.
3: But this whole story is really well put together in Alan Moore's From Hell. Yeah. Which is, uh, if you look at it, it's got in the back of From Hell, which I'm in the middle of reading them right now. Again, it's fucking fantastic. It's got, it's tremendous. It's absolutely the most tremendous. Oh, don't! I can't. Oh, he
2: cannot do this.
3: Um, I, uh, it's got a glossary, about a hundred page glossary in the back that basically this whole story was pieced together from a book called Stephen Knight's, I believe, is called Jack the The Ripper, Jack the Ripper, the Final Solution. (laughs)
2: Well, that sounds like a really horrific conclusion, (laughs) the final solution.
1: So Hmm. William Gull came in, uh, Lord Salisbury came in, they got Annie Crook, but who they didn't catch was Alice, the actual child that started this whole mess. At the time of the raid, Alice was in the care of... Mary Kelly, Mm. who in this version of the story was an orphan rescued from the poorhouse by the artist Walter Sickert and was at the time serving as nanny to Eddie and Annie's child. And after the police had come and gone, Mary left the child at a convent and returned to Whitechapel where she fell into the old cycle of drink and prostitution once more. The good times.
2: (laughs) Yeah. There were just, I just feel like There were a lot of babies slept at convents back in the day. Oh, yeah. Newspapers just thrown there on the steps.
1: But as we know, Mary Kelly had some loose lips when she was in her
2: cups. (laughs) That is a double entendre. Indeed.
1: Uh, And she spoke more than once about the royal conspiracy that she had inadvertently been a part of. And there were three women in particular who were listening to those stories night after night. Mary Nichols, Elizabeth Stride, and Annie Chapman, Mm. three of the Ripper's eventual victims. And it just so happened that these women owed money to some local street toughs.
3: Now, the idea is, is that if it's true that they all knew each other and hung out. The concept was is that they were gonna they were gonna make this plan, right? They, they, they believed that the reason why these people were starting to get murdered, the uptick of murder that was happening in Whitechapel, was because of these street gangs, and that they started believing within the community of prostitutes that they were killing people who owed them money. That they were deciding to like mm-hmm. basically we're clearing everybody's debts. By murdering you. Well, I mean, it had some truth to it because Emma Smith and this, uh, the Emma Smith part, this
1: is actually uh, a matter of records. The Emma Smith uh, who kicked off the whole Whitechapel murders, the 11 murders that we know as the Whitechapel murders, uh, she was beaten to
2: death by three street toughs who were trying to extract money from her. And this story is actually quite cute if you think of the street toughs as cartoon Rottweilers and pugs.
3: (laughs) You see, that is how you always make it cute. That's how how you make it cute. plays
2: the prostitute, which in my head immediately Cocker Spaniel. Oh, my (laughs) goodness. I guess they got to live up to their name. So this group
1: of Whitechapel prostitutes, they owed a debt to somebody who said that they owed them money, pretty much paying protection. So they figured the best way to pay their debt was to blackmail Queen Victoria into giving them hush money to prevent them from blabbing to the press about an illegitimate Catholic royal baby. That easy,
2: just that <laughs> it's easy. It's that
3: easy, and then from hell, the the idea is that they talk to Sicker as sort of their proxy, yeah, because Sicker was helping Prince Ebby, who was walking around like a fucking human slinky, and 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 helping him try to be a normal guy, sort of like uh, in the movie uh, Houseguest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, it wasn't long before Prime Minister Salisbury caught wind of the plot, and so he called on Sir William Gull, who had done such a smashing job on Annie Crook, to once again take care of the problem. Gull decided the best way to do this was not just a simple series of murders or even just disappearances that were carried out quietly. He decided to use this prostitute hunt as an excuse to perform a gigantic Masonic ritual that would be known hmm. the
3: world over. <laughs>
2: yeah, it,
3: it's fucking, it, it would be killer. If it's true, it would be an awesome fucking really dark, horrible ritual, but it would really work, right? Yeah. And if you look at From Hell, you see, there's there's some weird connections, right? Why in the fuck would they have used Sir Gull? Because at the time, he was not actually Queen Victoria's doctor. He was one of the royal doctors that was around. So what they say is the part of the Masonic twist here was the fact that he was a Mason that was chosen by several people with the police to be the dude who got the job. And that, according to From Hell... D- Dr. Gull then went ahead and decided against everybody's wishes to turn it into a Masonic ritual because the, the queen didn't want to actually be connected to anything so bloody and disgusting. But Gull was like, now's my time, as is um, as what happens with anybody who becomes the Masonic surgeon to the queen.
0: Or
1: it could be that it wasn't Sir William Gull who had the idea to make it a huge Masonic ritual. It could be that he was ordered to make it a huge Masonic ritual by none other than Lord Randolph Churchill, father of Winston Churchill.
2: Well, there's no way that that's not true. That is 100% true. Sir Gull sounds like the kind of guy who freezes soup so he can lick it. It does. It also just
3: sounds like another character that could have possibly been voiced by John Candy.
2: Oh, absolutely. (laughs)
1: Now, Stephen Knight, who wrote Jack the Ripper, the final solution, said about the Masonic angle, if Masonic supremacy appears in jeopardy, it is reestablished by a show of strength by crimes of violence perpetrated to demonstrate the continuing power of Freemasons for the benefit of brothers abroad. Crimes of violence would have been committed to reestablish Masonic authority in the eyes of Masons everywhere. See, the Masons Mm. were a part of the establishment, and the establishment, as we said earlier, was somewhat in trouble at the time. Or at the very least, was in a precarious position, and the murders of these women would show the entire world that the Masons
2: were still in charge. I think if they could just look into the future a little bit, they would change the term "final solution." I I just (laughs) really—it just
3: no. That book was written in like 1985. Uh, Yes, he probably
2: could have. He
3: probably should have thought about it. Yeah, (laughs) just so
2: the comparison there isn't uh, so good.
3: It's very interesting because it's also kind of like the Sopranos. It's like the mob. The idea is that you come in and you show everybody. Uh, w- that you really mean business and we'll kill these five prostitutes, which in the end is a really weird show of strength because they should have just killed a bunch of police officers. If you really want to <laughs> oh, do it, yeah. you just kill a bunch of police officers. Yeah, but the
1: problem um, was that so many of the police officers, the people in the upper echelons of the police were department
3: were
2: Freemasons. Right. And did yeah. Sergal have a love affair with his therapist? <laughs> I don't think he talked about his feelings. Oh, okay. I don't know.
3: Uh, I don't think he kissed his wife very often. <laughs> oh, I don't want to think, think about that's it. That's a British thing. That's yeah. a British thing where they don't touch. Well, they yeah, just they don't hug. Her. Have... I always remember that story. Our friend of ours told a story about how she dated a a, a a guy from the UK for a little while, and the big thing is that every time he came, he'd go sorry.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's fine. Uh, they don't have any lips, uh, which makes it difficult to kiss. It's more of a teeth thing, and that, and that's uncomfortable. But...
1: Now, some say that Sir William Gall was taking his orders, as I said, from none other than Lord Randolph Churchill. Although the Freemasons deny Randolph was ever a member, Sickert maintains that not only was he a member, he was also the Magister Magistrorum. You (laughs) shitty Gandalf!
2: (laughs) He sounds like, yeah, dumpy Gandalf.
1: Now, Lord Randolph, like oh so many of our suspects, suffered from syphilis and naturally blamed prostitutes for his condition. You are going to hear the word
3: syphilis more than you ever thought or wanted. So every time you hear the word syphilis... You know, smack your coworker in the face.
2: <laughs> you could do that or be thankful you don't have syphilis. Or if you do have syphilis, remember that you have it.
3: <laughs> remember.
2: Just remember. And because Randolph was syphilitic, he was also
1: impotent. And so his wife began to step out on him. This instilled in him a hatred of women. And so covering up the royal conspiracy in the most brutal way possible was the perfect outlet for Randolph's twisted desire for revenge. So this is all
3: boner-related stuff, huh? I mean, most things are boner-related. All oh, right. right. Yeah. Uh, most things in history. Yeah. So all of history is boner-related. And if you look at the, what From Hell and, and what uh, Alan Moore talks about a lot is that these rituals, a lot of the times we're talking about re- strengthening the power of men over the female energy of the moon-based religions that used to control this area of the U.K., Okay. So there's so, a lot of hate against women, specifically, uh, I mean, as always, but this was a, a very concentrated time.
2: Okay, so right, right now, so the, the theory is they wanted to cover up having a disabled child, and they want no. to cover up this guy not being able to uh, have a baby. Not at all. Not. Okay. Yeah, well, no, no. no. A prostitute's they, child. No, it was a not prosti- a prostitute. At all. (laughs) They're not all prostitutes? Absolutely not. They are
1: not all prostitutes. Annie Crook was a shop girl who worked in a tobacconist shop who had an affair with Prince Edward. She was a Catholic. Eddie was a Protestant. It would have been a huge scandal for a member of the Protestant royalty to marry and have a child with a Catholic woman. So the queen got Lord Salisbury to cover up the entire Incident. Okay.
3: That's where we so are. Lord, all yes. right. Lord Steak came down and he said, we've got to wipe this out. Even though technically a royal marriage can be annulled if the queen said, I didn't say that you could get married right. to that person. Yeah. So she could have just ended the whole thing by writing a piece of paper. But mm. it said, she said, kill these prostitutes. Right. Or Lord Cube Meat said, let's go and kill all these prostitutes. Sure. Right. So let's go. Or it was Sir Randolph Churchill.
1: We don't know. <laughs> So let's go through some of the Masonic links. Catherine Eddowes, the fourth victim, was found in Miter Square. The miter and the square are tools of the stonemason and are emblems of Freemasonry. She was also the recipient of facial mutilations in the form of upside-down triangles, which could be an echo of the compass on the Masonic logo. You with me? Yeah. Or he I'm... was
3: just trying to make a really gross-looking clown face.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the world's first juggalo. But... <laughs> Then there's leather apron. While the killer yes. did not wear a leather apron, it sure as so was reported in the press quite a bit that he did. And is it a coincidence mm. that Masons wear aprons as well? This <laughs> could have been a rumor pushed by the Freemasons to signify to other members what was really going on. Nice. Then there's the message. The Jews are the men that will not be blamed for nothing, which was found written on a building right above a bloody piece of apron belonging to Catherine Eddowes right after her murder. This is a possible reference to the three Jews spelled J U W E S in Masonic lore. Those three Jews were Jubella, Jubelo, and Jubilu. Did they? Three masons who murdered their Grand Master Hiram Abiff during the building of Solomon's Temple. Oh. You, you uh, look like the, you look like you have
2: questions, Benjamin. No, I just.
3: There, you, first of all, you're, whatever question you ask,
2: you, you first educate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, It's just right. the, the names all start with the religion that they uh, were part of. Yes,
3: of and also this would be the first time in recorded Masonic history that someone decided to be hip and call them the Jews on all in one go. No one else had ever called them the Jews. It would just seem like some guy at some point – it's like calling somebody – like it's it's basically saying like lit – Oh. It's like saying like, yeah, he made it cool to be oh. like the Jews are the ones that have to be blamed. These three do. But no one in recorded history ever said that. Also, I found an alternative theory about the apron and the bucket. This guy wrote in the essay, in the essay book, Jack the Ripper, the mammoth book of Jack the Ripper. And this essay, w- um, hold on. I'm trying to find the, name of the author He who who blames a fisherman named Carl Feigenbaum, Trevor Marriott. He says there was common practice. For prostitutes to shit in aprons and leave them everywhere
2: <laughs> oh the old dookie surprise carl so F- wait why possibly-
1: why yeah no you can't just say that
3: without saying why he just said it
2: he <laughs> just said it. <laughs> well i mean i think that that sounds very that's a fun thing to do back then
3: he said they couldn't get to toilets so they would shit in fabric in their own clothes they would cut off pieces of their clothes and shit at them because they said that the the piece of apron was covered in blood and shit. Yeah. Right. Right. So maybe she was on her fucking period, and then she perioded in shit into an apron, and then they just left it on the street. Yeah, but why was she carrying that
2: around with her? Well, where, why wouldn't you? Memories. <laughs> yeah. Think about it. Just the world's saddest runaway. Think about (laughs) it. Just a bag full you You and Dookie and blood. Don't you want a sandwich to take with you? (laughs) No, no, I have a bag full of Dookie and blood. I will be fine Uh, out here on on my own.
1: Well, there's a further connection to Jubelo, Jubelo, and Jubilu. Their punishment after they killed Hiram Abiff was to be mutilated oh. in much the same way that Jack the Ripper's victims were, by having their bodies ripped open and their entrails thrown over their shoulders. Mm. Four of the five Ripper victims have their throats cut from left to right in accordance with the Masonic Entered apprentice penal sign.
3: Also, a- you're supposed to mind blowing a dude getting into the Freemasons, and that's not even a joke. You're supposed to subjugate yourself to the master by getting on your knees in front of them, and a part of it is that they're supposed to be nude under the apron. That is not that is not fake. Wait, so it's, literally, you're. Wait, hold on. You, it's a symbolic flating of the people above you. So yeah.
2: you got to go through that whole thing, and then at the end, you got to fake blow the guy.
3: Yeah. Do you have to make, like, a noise? Like, uh, 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 if you're a good fucking mason, (laughs) if you want to be a magistrorum, then yeah.
2: But you don't actually do it.
3: I don't know. I guess (laughs) it depends on the style. Yeah. It depends
2: on the style of the Lord Magistrorium. (laughs) Strange final task, but. Well, those four
1: victims that had their throats cut from left to right, that also echoed the legend of the four crowned martyrs, which is an important part of Masonic mythology. But you might be asking, Mm -hmm. if it echoed the four crowned martyrs, why were there five victims? One was a suicide. (laughs) Ask the question, Marcus. Answer it. Well, unfortunately for Catherine Eddowes, the fifth was a mistake. Oh! If you'll remember, the night Catherine Eddowes died, she used the alias Mary Kelly when she was arrested. So Gull, alerted by his connections in the police department that the ringleader of the royal plot had been found, he decided to finish the whole thing in one night and give Catherine the full Masonic treatment, thinking he was sending the biggest message of all. Which is why Catherine Eddowes, Hmm. despite not being a part of the plot, that the hypothesis that Stephen Knight put forward says,
2: "Right, that's why she got all of the Masonic symbols and whatnot." Well, that you got to choose your alias very well. That's why, if I ever get arrested, I'll be like, "I'm James Woods," <laughs> and uh, everyone will treat me with, treat me with immense respect. And uh, I am Leonardo DiCaprio. There's no way I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but when these people finally
1: did catch up with Mary. She would get it worse than all of the others combined, which was more of a message to the people of Whitechapel than it was to the Freemasons. Mm. Anybody who might have known anything about the plot, they would look at all of the women that were murdered, they would see the extreme
2: cruelty that Mary Kelly went through, and they would keep their mouths shut. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't say anything remotely close to something that Mary Kelly said if that was the outcome. Yeah. Absolutely. Now there
3: is a uh, there's a t- another Masonic tie-in that I think is really interesting, but this is mostly it comes from from hell, and also it, it it's posited as a as a real occult finding within the streets of London. Are is the architecture of Nicholas Hawksmoor? Now Arca- Nicholas Hawksmoor was a uh, royal architect that was assigned to build something like I think it was 50 churches, but he ended up building. 12 uh, and he, they were all within line And what they, yeah. what they say is that if you plot them along certain maps right if you do it and you put you mix that with the victims and where they were placed uh, around the UK that they form a pentagram they form a star now I was looking at a map of it and it does loosely you can make it be a star yeah. if you're looking to make a ritual out of it right and what he did was that he was a Mason that was technically a, a, he was developing these churches but he snuck really intense pagan symbols into these churches, like putting obelisks on top of a church instead of making, a, instead of like the traditional altar, he would make it look like a weird Greek circle, the grotesque animals on the side of it. Very interesting, oh, like off center. Mm. All of this stuff kind of to show clues that he's putting weird little like subversive messages into his churches. Now, this idea that Sir Gull used the positioning of the bodies in the pentagram alongside like the, the ley lines that these churches and different little architectural bits made in order to what they say is give blood to the stones and create a gigantic power ritual, which was, again, to subjugate the feminine spirit yes. in order to mm. propagate the male power drive, yes. the sun-driven subjugate- obelisk. Subjugate the female spirit and to usher in the
1: 20th century, which was admittedly a time of intense violence, a time of murder, mm. a time of war. Some could also say that this very same ritual could have been done to John Benet Ramsey mm. when she was murdered to usher in a new sacrificial age that we are in the mur- middle of right now. Well, is 9-11!
3: get with the fucking program well, I he don't know why you're in 911. Your pull over the pull your car over quit your job go to the UK and start getting some rocket launchers <laughs> and take out these churches
2: you're gonna do that huh
3: take out the churches
2: yeah well you mentioned that's fr- how you mentioned okay. from hell uh did you know the fat guy from <laughs> Nuns in the run he was actually in the movie from hell isn't that something
1: yeah Today's episode is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. The Casper is an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. Supportive memory foams create an award-winning sleep surface with just the right sink and just the right bounce. Time Magazine named it one of the best inventions of 2015. Try Casper for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up and refund you everything. Casper understands the importance of truly sleeping on a mattress before you commit, especially considering you're going to spend a third of your life on it. They got free shipping and returns to the United States and. In Canada, and with over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. Right now, you can get 50 bucks towards any mattress purchase by visiting www.casper.com LEFT and using the offer code LEFT. That's casper.com LEFT. Use the offer code LEFT. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> now, there is a tiny bit of truth here. Possibly, maybe a tiny bit of truth. According yeah. to Nigel Cawthorn, author of the mammoth book of killers at large, Annie Crook really did live at 22 Cleveland Street where she gave birth to an illegitimate daughter. That did actually happen. This Cleveland (laughs) Street address would have been quite handy for the bisexual Prince Eddie as 19 (laughs) Cleveland Street was a homosexual brothel at the center of the Cleveland Street scandal of 1889 where
3: it was discovered that the aristocracy was buggering telegraph boys on the down low.
2: Oh,
0: my.
3: Now, listen, I'm trying to wear these fancy new platform shoes that my friend Lightning gave me, but it seems to me my ankles can't support the weight of my legs. (laughs) Could you pour me into a barrel and take me to the nearest boy?
2: (laughs) Just roll him down the street, I guess.
1: (laughs) Yeah, actually, there are some who say that Prince Eddie himself was the Ripper, driven mad by a hatred of women and, again, syphilis.
0: I
3: hate you. <laughs> I hate you and how perfect you look on your corset. Um, my breasts—just I've got bananas. That's what they've been called. They said my breasts are like bananas, and they're <laughs> shameful. They're disgusting. They're mis- they, they they look terrible when they're squished.
1: Oh,
2: g- g- good banana boob is always fun. <laughs> Prince Eddie, your
1: your rendition of Prince Eddie really does sound like a villain in The Invisibles. Yes, yes. I like it. like the guy that's, that's the, the assistant idea, right? of Sir he...
2: Miles. Oh dear, I've shot him again. I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> sorry. You know, I just feel like society if they would have let him just be gay, he probably hates women because people forced him to be with them. Yeah, I think yeah, he, I mean, he, he probably could have been a great uh, beard for somebody or no what? it's not true oh he loved it all of this is bullshit all oh, of this
1: is uh, none of this is real
2: oh is that none right none of this is real <laughs> oh none of this none is real
1: no none of, this, none of no. this is real I mean for example like Eddie he was 500 miles away
3: at the time of two of the murders
2: but he had a long yeah. neck so he's really only 50 feet away from anything
3: so you're saying he's like a rapist stretch Armstrong <laughs> yeah
2: neck ne- yeah he just he always went into every room face first
3: yeah and the gulls are that is,
1: William Gull, uh, he had suffered a debilitating stroke about a year before the murders began, which would make it impossible for him to be the agile Jack that we know the
2: killer to be. I've been watching a lot of the WWE Network, and Jim <laughs> Ross, who is one of the best commentators in history, also suffered a stroke, and yeah. he was back a year later.
3: He looks like um, that—I that, know that commentator. Do you ever yeah. see the Muppet Christmas Carol? The ghost of Christmas present in that has yeah. a flat plastic face with fucking gray lips— that's what he has.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know. I think it would be kind of fun to have half of your face droopy and the, and the other half normal, because then you can be like Two Face. Yeah, but and you can yeah, say Good Me, Bad Me. <laughs>
1: yeah, but I don't think. Imagine, actually, you know what? That is very. Uh, that's a very useful way of thinking about it, because William Gull was probably about the same age as uh, Jim Ross mm-hmm. when Jim Ross had this. So actually. Gull was probably about 20 years older than Jim Ross was when Key had the stroke. Yeah. So try to imagine uh, Jim Ross now killing five prostitutes oh. and then running away. I thought you were going to say. Very,
2: very easily. I thought you were going to say, <laughs> say Jim Ross watching the Ripper kill Mary Kelly and be like, well, that's a slobber knocker. <laughs> oh, but, my
3: um, Honestly, but there's truth to the fact that, well, they, that's the idea, is that he also had help with his driver. He had a coach driver that was with him and possibly propped him up, where it was like, bring me closer to the guts. (laughs) And then he would just like move his leg back and forth and help his hands switch back and forth. Like that, do it like that. Oh, there's the kidney. What a wonderful surprise. <laughs> uh, you know, it's sometimes I open up these prosies and I'm just so surprised they're not filled with candy.
2: <laughs> so we had like a Cato or a Morgan Freeman from Driving Miss Daisy type? <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: we also know that while Annie and Alice Crook did exist. Eddie is absolutely not the father of Alex Crook, as he was hundreds of miles away when the baby was conceived. Mm. We know that from birth records. Did uh, Mori
2: Povich weigh in? <laughs> you are not the father.
3: Oh, that's absolutely lovely, because I was extremely scared of the fact that I could make love to a man long enough that he would have a child.
2: <laughs> Strange.
3: But speaking of that baby... Alice Cook
1: grew up quietly in the convent where Mary Kelly had allegedly dropped her off. Alice ended up marrying the painter Walter Sickert, who gave birth to Joseph Sickert. And it just so happens that Joseph Sickert was the source of almost all of this, much like Jeff Mudgett, who bullshitted his way through claiming his ancestor H.H. Holmes was actually Jack the Ripper, which is also not true.
3: Interesting. No way. No way. There's no way he just needed money. Right. And he had no skills and nothing it's, to offer society. And yeah. so
2: he threw his fucking family under the bus. That's what I'm thinking. It's such a strange thing to be like, no, I guarantee you my grandfather was a serial killer. I'm not going to – why would I make that up? Of course And he I
3: being, I, I'm being – I will be paid to say this. Now, the other thing is, though, but his – Walter Sickert did uh, a very interesting thing as a painter. Is that He painted these really uh, – kind of thoughtful pieces about prostitutes in the Whitechapel area. That's where this these kind of stories came from is that he had made friends in in the in that neighborhood and because he would use prostitutes as subjects, which is actually pretty common. but he would do these weird sort of things where he would their faces would be all mashed up because I guess I, I don't know what the term is. there's an artistic term that is like it's supposed to feel like a thing and not be a thing like it's not portraiture, impressionism. Yes, that's exactly oh. it, and that the face would the face would be all messed up, and so the they there are a lot of modern ripperologists that go on to say the reason why he does this to the faces is because it's it's symbolic of what the ripper did, and he knew who the ripper was.
2: Chunky painting. <laughs> That's yes. kind of what it is also. Ripperologist. Yes. Yeah. Love that term. Yeah.
3: <laughs> now, Created by Colin Wilson, who wrote the Poltergeist book. It was one of my favorite fucking uh, uh, favorite occult books of all time. Yeah. yeah, well,
1: Colin Wilson also wrote the book on the Black Monk of Pontefract. Uh, mm. Colin Wilson is one of the greatest occult writers of the 20th century. Very cool. Yeah, he's a fantastic writer. So, the
3: Huge col- ripperologist, which makes him an fucking unbearable nerd.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, the closest anyone of the time came to any suspect at all, come from an actual document known now as the McNaughton Memo. Ooh. Sir Melville McNaughton was the former chief of Scotland Yard's CID, and in a private handwritten memo, Melville outlined three suspects that for years have been the subjects of speculation. The first is Montague John Druitt. So,
3: listen... I was looking at, so where do the, uh, the, the, this is like a famous piece of, uh, of evidence in the Jack the Ripper lore, right? This idea of this memoranda that he wrote naming these three possible, possible suspects. He wrote it in response to the fact he was defending a man named Thomas Cutbush.
2: Right, <laughs> who's ju- who was so you're, dean, you're named uh, after your great grandfather who did what for a profession?
3: <laughs> he just sliced, slaughtered that bush. <laughs> it was like technically a very bad name for a gardener. Yes, um, but Thomas Cutbush was being arraigned for stabbing women in the butt. <laughs> And they were trying to pin the Jack the Ripper crimes on him. And he says, No, 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 he's not. These are the three people we think it might be.
2: He just likes to stab butts. You know, that is a strange phenomenon. It happened in New York City about three years ago. There was a random butt slasher yeah, around butt as well. Slasher. Yeah, so yes,
1: strange. I remember that. So, Montague John Druid, the first of the three suspects. He was a London lawyer whom McNaughton said was suspected of the crimes by his own family, saying that he was privy to, quote, Private information Hmm. that McNaughton did not disclose in the memo super private
3: <laughs> everything wow. was very private now this is like the weird x thing and every one of the Ripperologists suspect algebra that is the thing that's hard to describe because it keeps saying well if these cops and certain members and certain investigators had private information they didn't publish it so we're just gonna bank on the fact that that's the proof is in that cloud of gray the proof that we need mm-hmm. is in that term private information and that you can then use that to basically turn anybody into a suspect
1: mm-hmm. so this is
2: an upstanding member of the Society as well.
1: well, really, the only thing linking Montague to the murders was the fact that he committed suicide soon after the Mary Kelly murder by jumping into the Thames River with stones in his pockets to weigh him down. Now, it was said that montague suffered from quote sexual insanity but the reality is that montague was most likely just gay and was being blackmailed at work because of it and for some reason his family thought it was better that he was remembered as jack the ripper rather than just some lawyer who happened to be gay
3: that's really sad because he was a teacher and a lawyer which you have you have to be very smart
2: yeah, and, to be and, both. And wrong were- to carry around all those stones in your pockets. Good, <laughs> It's a good core workout, good for your thighs and your glutes. Yeah. Now, the next man in the memo
1: is Michael Ostrog, described by McNaughton as, quote, a mad Russian doctor, a convict, and unquestionably a homicidal maniac. Ostrog hmm. was not a doctor, and no evidence connects him to the murders. He was just a terrible person hanging around Whitechapel at the time.
3: But, it, but most people were yeah <laughs> i mean but there were some who were really bad the best the worst the worst ones yeah. which is just like that's cuz as a base Everybody's rough Oh <laughs> Whitechapel. Yeah. You just yeah. go from either gross to bad to potential serial killer to right.
2: actual serial killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you get the feeling the grossest ones were probably the happiest. They were in heaven. <laughs> they were in their own version of Mortville, you know, from Desperate Living.
1: Yeah, as far as being just a terrible person in uh, Whitechapel goes, same goes for Aaron Kosminski, a Polish Jew employed in London as a hairdresser. He was allegedly driven insane by, quote, solitary vices, which was Victorian code for
2: Jarkin Off way too much. They all sound like characters Lil Mac has to knock out and punch out. <laughs> they all sound like people that would just have a unique boxing style. <laughs>
1: Now, Kozminski is often lumped in with David Cohen, another Jewish man who ended up in an insane asylum just like Kozminski did. However, it is probable that Cohen is not this guy's name, as Cohen was just the name that asylum workers gave to Jewish people when they couldn't spell their last name and couldn't be bothered to just ask them how they spelled it.
3: Huh. Yes, there's so many people that they talk about how, like, their whole fucking histories were wiped out because people were just too lazy to learn how to spell Polish names. It's like me. My name is Zabrowski. It's right. easy. When I say no. the name Zabrowski, so often I get the, oh, that's quite a name. And I'm just being like, it's fucking really easy. It's, it's spell like it sounds. And that's racism. And that's my new thing, man. <laughs> you're, that I'm not white. You're I'm a, Polish. You're Polish. I'm not white. All right? I'm are with the, these guys. I'm standing with the Kozminskis, the you, Coens that were falsely blamed I by am, Martin Fido. Martin <laughs> Fido, who wrote a whole book about blaming these Jewish people, and your last
2: name is slang for a dog. Well, I think that that's just so—I'm so happy you're a social justice warrior for <laughs> the Polish. Yes, that's, we so, need to stand up and protect yeah. the recipe for ice. <laughs> It's only the recipe. Yeah, it is, that is a tricky one. Uh, I mean, I'm from Wisconsin. It skis all over the place. Uh, Sobrowskis, Zilkowskis, that's, that's a very common name. But I think it is difficult for a lot of people to understand.
1: Well, Fido thinks that Cohen was actually a Whitechapel bootmaker named Nathan uh, Kaminsky, mm. another victim of syphilis. Oh. Now, both Kaminsky and Kozminski were committed, and the murder stopped afterward, which is really the only thing linking either one of these guys to the murder. So the McNaughton memo, all of these, uh, all three guys in the McNaughton memo, it's paper-thin stuff. They're all right. very easily ripped apart.
2: Okay.
3: Also, the guy, the head of the CID after this guy, Anderson, also said the same thing. He blamed a Polish Jew, and he said that the killer ended up in an asylum, and there are a lot of people that use that one statement that he made as the basis for all of this is the idea that they end mm. up so people a lot of times start in the asylum records like poor Martin Fido who said like my author my, my boss could not afford a research assistant so I had to go to the UK myself and go through all of these dusty ass fucking mm. like asylum fucking oh. records from 150 years ago
2: oh that's fun though you get to be like Nicolas Cage in National Treasure <laughs> and you get to go I, I miss going into a library and looking at microfiche you said- can well, you can, but what's the point? <laughs> um, you know what? No, this is you don't miss it. No, you I don't. don't miss well, it what's the point? You could go do it. Yeah. You've really? never even looked at microfiche, you were blind drunk through every class you ever took. Yeah, but you can still look at microfiche. <laughs> you can do that in any sort of mindset. Um, this story or this, uh, this seems mo- most plausible of a theory for me because they're all Polish. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we have to think about do. that. All they
3: got to do is to put on their dress backwards and tell them they're running away. It's like all of that. Sir. It's, all, it's very easy to fool a Polish person. You're telling me you're running
2: uh, away, but you, I can tell you're coming towards me.
3: <laughs> all right, but I take your word for it. Right but it's very, uh, it's very, uh, it's strange because also it's about the the idea of Polish was also a broad term. For anybody that was of Eastern European descent, so they're even looking. They're trying to specify Polish people, but they actually meant that to be anybody Austrian, that, because they were incredibly racist and in
1: lazy. County. Yeah. It, well, I mean, uh, racism against uh, Polish people in England persists to this day. That was a huge part of Brexit was all of keeping all of the Polish immigrants out of England. Mm-hmm. So this st- this stuff, uh, yeah, it's nothing new that's going on here. Absolutely. Now there are literally hundreds of other suspects in the Jack the Ripper case. Outside of just those three, and it would take just as many episodes to cover all of them as we spent just covering the murders. So, in the interest of time, here are just a few of our favorites. Ooh. There's Dr. Thomas Cream. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's interesting. Dr. Cream. That's what I'm gonna start calling myself. Yeah. Like right right before I go, Dr. Cream. Cream's
1: Uh-oh. <laughs> Dr. Tommy Cream poisoned four London prostitutes in 1891. As he stood on the gallows for those crimes, he supposedly yelled,
3: I am Jack the...
1: <laughs> but he swung before he could finish the last sentence. Who knows what he was going to say? Oh, my goodness.
3: I am Jack the Stripper. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the stage, Jack the
2: Stripper.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and him just taking his, wagging his dick out. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: Chip and Dale, indeed. Next is Severin Antoniowicz Klosowski, an- another Polish gentleman. He was a barber surgeon who lived in Whitechapel in 1888. Guilty. <laughs>
3: Anybody has got a hyphens? Yeah, It's like, we're called multi-hyphenates because we're writer, actor, director, that kind of shit, but that's the kind of hyphenate that will kill a prostitute and yeah. look for its uterus. Absolutely. Oh,
1: a barber surgeon? No, no, no. They, barber surgeons were all over the place for centuries. Barber surgeons were people so you-
3: who did minor surgeries. They
1: did bloodletting, blood but they would also cut your hair, shave your beard, or
2: give you an enema if needed. So you can go Ooh. to the barber and get your anal cavity completely flushed out. <laughs> And come out with, like, a mohawk? Yeah. Or a bowl cut? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's just how it was in those days. It was Very versatile uh, people. One-stop shopping. Yeah. So, this guy, Severin, he was arrested seven years after the Jack the Ripper murders for poisoning three consecutive common-law wives. And when he was mm-hmm. caught, he
3: said, So you've caught Jack the Ripper at least? Oh, ho, ho. Or have you? I don't know. Actually, I don't know. I should actually put a question mark at the end of this. So you've caught Dagla Ripper? I hope so. Because all the women are very afraid. And they won't spread
2: them. They won't no, spread I'm them su- as much. I'm sure they wouldn't. No. I mean you can't kill three of your wives. No, not Tom away wives. with one yeah. back then, but no way. Then there's
1: Francis Thompson, a British poet and opium addict who lived on the streets of London between 1885 and 1888, and he was often heard to brag about owning a leather apron.
2: That's not an accomplishment. No, it's not. An opium uh, heroin, for all intents and purposes, you can't kill somebody on heroin. You can't even kill yourself. Look at Kurt Cobain. He was murdered. (laughs) He was murdered. He was murdered.
1: So in 1888, Francis Thompson wrote a poem called The Ballad of the Witch
2: Babies. <laughs> With any luck, you'll think I'm Ozzy Osbourne.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that was about a, quote, lusty young knight who disemboweled women. Now, that name, The Lusty Young Babies, that might be just a fiction. I'm not sure. I found it in a weird novel about mm-hmm. uh, Jack the Ripper victims. Uh, but
2: I like it. I mean. So you're like going around and be like, how do you describe a baby? What's a good word for cute, uh, innocent, lusty. lusty? Yes, lusty. lusty. Baby. Those babies always giving me them
3: bedroom eyes, asking for what I do. It's disgusting. Asking for what I do to them.
2: That is not a description for a baby ever. Now,
1: one particularly interesting suspect is Robert Donston Stevenson, a.k.a. Dr. Roslyn Donston. He, he al-
3: changed his name to Roslyn. Sounds like a bailiff. I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest. and. Uh, My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow, I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash l e f t. Rules and restrictions may apply.
1: He allegedly committed the murders as a part of a massive black magic ritual. Donston had actually written an article at the time of the murders accusing another doctor named Morgan Davies of the murder,
3: allegedly using details the police had not released to the public. Yes, because he was sort of like an amateur Jack the Ripper investigator who kept showing up. He was just like an annoying dude who wanted to write articles. So what he would do is he would write these articles from the perspective of the killer where he would like do, And it was very sensationalistic and he would put some things in there that were real. But a lot of it was like weird conjecture in order to sell newspapers.
2: I also love that this is just razzing, you know, a person that you don't like. Be like, hey, Donnie, take a look at the paper today. (laughs) I accused you of Five murders. See <laughs> what I did? This is funny. You get <laughs> the joke.
1: <laughs> now, that guy, Donson, he later went into business with the editor of Lucifer Magazine, mm. a woman named Baroness Vittoria Creamers.
3: <laughs> oh God though. I bet honestly, I bet she was kinda hot. Victoria oh, oh, Creamers
1: Victoria Creamers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: She yeah. Sounds yeah like... a
1: friend tells you he's gonna set yeah. you up with his friend Victoria. Mm-hmm. You gonna go on that day?
2: Oh, absolutely. Victoria She's not a
3: Victoria Creamers. Yeah. Because back in the day, the uh surnames used to be named after what your family did. So <laughs> right. basically the concept is this, like her name is essentially Victoria Creamers. Jerk-offs ya.
2: <laughs> yeah, it could, which also, that does sound kind of Polish, now yeah. that I think about it. Vittoria Squirt Maiden. Yeah, cream. Yeah, she's God, not Playboy yeah. hot, but she'd definitely be on the cover of Cherry or uh, some of the other more... Uh, club Continental. I love that, oh, though. Club Continental, absolutely. Tough club to get into. Well, you have to have $3.99.
1: <laughs> so Baroness Vittoria, she found neckties caked with dried blood in Donston's room, and when she asked where he had gotten them, he said they had belonged to Jack the Ripper.
3: Hmm. And that was the first ever instance of flirting with a goth woman. Because that's how you do it. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, and no, and no other It's the first time you saw the instance of, like, just showing a John Wayne Gacy picture that made a woman wet for you. <laughs> well, I no. think it worked. <laughs> those ties
1: eventually made their way to the man who is by far the person who is mentioned the most on last podcast on the left, famed power bottom Alistair Crowley. Oh, my
2: goodness. Yeah. Uh,
1: God, he's just in everything.
2: Yeah, he's he just brilliant. shows up. He just and shows
1: we're
3: going to pa- he also uh, happened to have weird consorts with a, a man named Elron Hubbard,
1: who's mm. going to show up too. Yes, and Can we, we
2: will talk about Elron Hubbard coming up here in the future. Yes,
1: we will. Uh, Crowley said that Donston was without a doubt Jack the Ripper, and that the ritual was Donston's attempt to turn himself invisible.
2: Did it work? Interesting. Can you imagine if it worked though? And you just it like just a like bunch all of All you'd guys.
3: have to do is be uh, become a poet. Oh. And then everyone will stop caring you exist.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> Why don't you just be an actor? That would also work.
1: <laughs> but the most famous of all ripper suspects, though he is not famous for being a suspect, is Charles Latunga Dodson, mm. aka
3: Lewis Carroll. Author of Alice in Wonderland. Now, this is my question. He is, he was a child molester, right? It's debatable.
2: Latunga was a child molester? (laughs) (laughs) Is that right? I don't want to, everything is ruined. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, isn't that what this show has taught us? Nothing is, is good. Except for but Mr. Rogers. We know just, that nothing oh, is good Rogers. except for Mr. Rogers. And we know That's everyone's, it. they've been trying to get dirt on Mr. Rogers for decades been, and it's never happened. They've been trying to
1: get dirt on him. They started that whole sniper rumor. They started all kinds of stuff. No one's ever got dirt on Mr. Rogers and they never will because he's the only pure human soul to have ever existed.
2: Although I will say this about Mr. Rogers, a bit negative. His mother did make all of his uh, all of his cardigans. Uh, she didn't want to do it though. Uh, he actually <laughs> forced his mother to <laughs> Forcer her at gunpoint.
3: <laughs> yes. Stuck a gun up her vagina. Oh, I know.
1: Mean, <laughs> no, no, no. That's no, no, too no. Far, That, is, that, a is, that, that is, is a mother's love. That is a mother's love for her son. I mean, and she, she was chained to
2: the sewing machine and was forced to work, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> now, Lewis Carroll, author of Alice in Wonderland. As we all know, it was claimed in the book, Jack the Ripper, light-hearted friend. That Carol confessed to the murder in a series of anagrams (laughs) found in a children's primer version of Alice in Wonderland called Nursery Alice. Mm. Here's the original. So she wandered away through the wood, carrying the ugly little thing with her, and a great job it was to keep hold of it. It wriggled about so. But at last, she found out that the proper way to keep it tight was to hold itself foot and by its right ear. Hmm. Rearranged? This is what it reads.
3: She wiggled about so, but at last, Dodgian and Bane found a way to keep hold of the fat little whore. I got a tight hold of her and slit her throat. Lefty at right, ho-ho! It was tough, wet, disgusting, too. So weary of it, they threw up. Jack the Ripper, ha and away you
2: go! <laughs> that is wild. And this guy wrote Alice in Wonderland, huh? Yeah, that guy wrote
1: yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Still. But, hmm. before you read too much into that, listen to what can be done with the first three sentences of Richard Wallace's Jack the Ripper Lighthearted Friend. This is the first three sentences of that book. It says, this is my story of Jack the Ripper, the man behind Britain's worst unsolved murders. It is a story that points to the unlikeliest of suspects, a man who wrote children's stories. That man is Charles dodson better known as lewis carroll author of such beloved books as alice in wonderland now three Uh anagram enthusiasts rearranged those three sentences to say
3: this the truth is this i richard wallace stabbed and killed a muted nicole brown in cold blood severing her throat with my thrusty shiv strokes i set up ornthal james simpson who is utterly innocent of this murder P.S. I also wrote Shakespeare sonnets and a lot of Francis Bacon's works too. So he's a plagiarist. <laughs> that is horrible. <laughs> now the lesson is that anagrams are pretty fucking cool. Yeah. Anagrams and- are fun. <laughs> well, That's that is the, the nerd piece of shit isolationalist message we're sending today anagrams can be fun the
2: anagrams can be fun but you're just rearranging a series i mean there's really not that many you the the, the options are endless yeah that's you can't really fun say any. that is that's what the, i love anagrams
3: fun. yeah I, I have never seen such autistic fun before in my life <laughs> yeah and an
2: anagram you could make that spell ranagam or a whole series of different kinds of things
3: Anagram could be anagram. Yeah. It could be nagram.
1: Sometimes <laughs> I like
2: to read words backwards too. Like Marcus is sarcum. Suckrum. 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 Sounds like a god. <laughs> ben is Neb. <laughs> ben is
1: Neb. Uh, all right. Well, that concludes Jack the Ripper. Part four, The Suspects, part Part one. One. That's right. (laughs) So technically, this will be a
2: five-parter, only a two-parter on The Suspects, Yeah, it's going to be
1: like Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, how that was two movies. This is going to be like, uh, yeah, part four is two episodes because this episode has been all of the ridiculous suspects. This has been all the people that definitely did not do it, that had nothing to do with it. The next episode, we're going to cover two guys who we actually believe are are very good candidates for jack the ripper
3: the reasonable suspects is yeah. what we'll call it and you know what it comes down to it is that i want the i want this series to be as complicated as the research
2: <laughs> absolutely it's
3: taken i have literally read three books about jack the ripper yeah i've yes. gone through the entire mammoth book of jack the ripper i'm reading from hell i've watched hours of documentary footage yeah None of it is is fixed. Well, None of it is solved.
2: You've never looked more Polish in your life. Um, so I am you, red and I am covered in sweat. You are. Uh, remember when you guys said you were going to un- upload all the information? Well, you got another week to hold on to it, boys. This not fair.
1: I know it's not yes, fair and I thought that fair. I was done with it, too. I actually, after, oh I finished it, after I, I finished it this morning, like, like, like oh, I, right I walked out to my kitchen and I saw well, Carolina yeah. and like I went and like, I gave her a hug and I said darling it's over I ain't gotta we ain't gonna do this no more we ain't I ain't gotta talk about it you ain't gonna listen we ain't gonna say no more darling and now she's
3: gonna I hope y'all like Jack the Ripper
2: well, yep, absolutely. Um, I cannot wait. Like all good horror movies, this one has another ending coming. Yeah. Uh, which this will be definitely very
3: feels like Saw 5.
2: <laughs> yep, that's where we're at. Uh, hopefully none of us get cancer here. Um, you mentioned Harry Potter. Uh, Hagrid, uh, he was also in From Hell. <laughs> also and, with and he that. was the fat guy from, from Nuns yeah. on the Run. Yeah, From <laughs> Hell. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, let's see, Marcus, do we want to talk about the Patreon or anything like that? Yeah, I, I mean, we've got live
1: shows uh, coming up, cavecomedyradio.com slash live is where you get tickets. We just opened up a second show for our uh, St. Paul date oh. uh, here and uh, that's coming in a couple of weeks. Uh, that's definitely going to sell out as well so be sure to get your tickets as soon as possible. we got a ton yep. of other shows coming if you go to cavecomedyradio.com slash live. These shows do sell out but if you are a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash podcast on the left even if you just give a dollar you get access to live show tickets before anybody else does. So, uh, So you make sure to get to see us live if you are a Patreon subscriber, and thanks so much to everybody who has subscribed to our Patreon so far.
2: Absolutely, it means so the Saint, world to us. It really it, does. It, it does. Uh, St. Paul, Minnesota. I have a lot of friends in St. Paul. If you went to college with me at Menominee Stout, if I ever did anything to you when I was drunk, if I let's say I let your couch on oh fire, God. you get oh in for God. free. Uh, you do get, I will. I will. I have. I have a couple of uh, free spots. I'm allowed to give out. We got to reach out to me, even if it's been years. Be like Ben. You did this when you were blackout drunk in this home. I will Say you can you can come to the show. Do you uh, mean to
3: tell me the apology tour starts now? It is yes.
2: Well, the whole thing you know, the whole life is basically an apology tour. Uh, thank you guys so much. We got Chicago this weekend. Thank you yeah. guys so much for listening to all the shows here on CCR. Uh, Chicago, pay- make sure you yeah. check
3: out. We are doing a special late episode of uh, last stream on the left this yeah. weekend, nine p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And what we're doing this time is because it's late for us and we have a lot of drop in. We are doing we are doing all
2: phone calls. Yeah, that's it. So
3: what you fucking need to do. As listeners is make it interesting.
2: Well, we had <laughs> one guy take called? a bong hit and then freak out because he thought the cops were getting a
0: call. And
2: I hope we harshed his buzz. No, I But don't. I
3: want you to fucking call in and ludicrous ideas, if you have things you want to pitch to us, if you have theories you want to talk about, if you're uh, if you're trapped in a loveless relationship, sure. give us a call and make it interesting.
2: Yeah, or if you are trapped in somebody's basement or, and are in desperate need of help. Uh, call, the the for, uh, yeah, <laughs> call, call the police. Yeah, call the police. Please, yeah, don't well,
1: call don't call us. No, 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 don't call
2: us well, at we, all. Yeah, that's a good point. I guess we couldn't help them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. You want to seek help. Um, well, thanks so much for listening to all the shows here on CCR. Page 7, Sex and Other Human Activities, Roundtable of Gentlemen, uh, Abeligan's Top Hat has been absolutely wonderful as well. We're doing, uh, email me, I'm doing some uh, a special uh, dumpster fire chats, a uh, little episode here as the whole world burns in front of our eyes. We're going to get through it together. And uh, you can find, let's do Twitter. Yeah, Marcus Parks on Twitter at Marcus Parks, Instagram at Marcus Parks. I'm Ben Kissel on Twitter, Ben Kissel one on Instagram. I've been using it more, and Henry's he has a been. Grip. I have been. He has been. But then I got a critic. Yeah. I was criticized on Twitter. Someone said you really found out how to use Instagram sensory overload. I'm like, what is happening?
3: Let it, just like enjoy yourself. Thank yeah. you, you, you don't Henry. express
2: yourself, Kissel. Thank you. All right, I'm
3: at Henry Loves yes. You on Twitter at Doctor on Instagram. I know, and we. Dr. Fantasty, and then find um, all of us at LP on the left on all platforms that you can fucking shove into your mouth. Get off Facebook, though. Yeah, I, I know we're supposed it. to push the Facebook group and, of okay. course, absolutely join the Facebook group, but get off Facebook because they know every single thing about you.
1: Yeah, yeah
2: I like the just one-on-one interaction with Twitter and I'm learning Instagram, so yeah. that's my personal. Totally.
1: And I'm at Marcus Parks for everything. And my favorite social thing is to make playlists for people. So go follow me on Spotify I make a new playlist every week.
2: That's amazing. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Hail yourselves.
3: Hail Satan. And hail Gein. Hail me, por favor, por, por favor. Spanish. Uh, See. Sí.
0: <laughs> Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest.